Hey guys, this is Kara Diba from The Grove Team here in Atlanta, and we are so excited to welcome you to The Grove Podcast. Today, we have the gift and honor of sitting in on a conversation between our fearless leader, Shelly Giglio, and our favorite pastor, none other than Louis Giglio himself. These guys sit down and share candidly and openly about a challenging season in their life that birthed the message of Pastor Louis' brand new book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. The message of this book is that we have victory in Jesus, and the book talks about how you can experience that victory in your mind right now. So we know this is gonna be powerful, it's gonna impact all of us and have ripple effects in the days, weeks, and months to come. We can't wait for you guys to hear this powerful message. One little note, as our pastors get going in their conversation, you're gonna hear them mention the most recent growth featuring our team here in Atlanta and the one and only CC Winans. If you're new to The Grove, be sure to check out thegroveonline.com where you can watch that entire Grove gathering from April 2021 that they're referencing. And of course, you can listen to the message from that night from CC on this podcast, which is just the previous episode to this one. Again, we're so excited and thankful to welcome Pastor Louie to today's episode, and we are expectant for what God is going to do in you through this message. So hang tight. We're going to talk about the book again at the end of the podcast, but listen in now as Jesus speaks through Pastor Louie. Louie, welcome to the Grove Podcast. We're so glad you're here. My pastor, and of course, my husband, Louie, is on the podcast with us today on the Grove Podcast. So welcome. I couldn't be more excited to be here. You look amazing, by the way. Congratulations on well, an incredible wearing, Grove I, Week. Oh, man, it's been a great week. It's been an incredible week. Monday night was so special here. Absolutely having women back in the room was one of the most powerful things we've done in a while. Yeah, I think I could it's been feel over it. a year. I could feel it. Sadly, I had to be away, but I was able to watch the rebroadcast right after the Grove ended. And just feeling the energy, seeing the environment and people back in the environment, because that's one of the hallmarks of the Grove is that you guys create spaces it's a special that thing. move people's hearts before the first note is even sung. Yeah. And it was incredible seeing that. I wish I could have experienced it in 3D, but then just the journey and the word from CC Winans was, my goodness. I mean, so on point. Right. If you haven't seen that broadcast, or maybe that'll come along in a podcast at some point, but if you see and have an opportunity to, to listen to CC's message, I would strongly encourage you. Yeah, it's I've gonna... already gone back and listened to it again. I think being in the room that night was so shaping for me. And it's so funny because CC is the most pleasant person I've ever encountered. 100%. Literally the nicest person. And she even addressed that a little bit in her talk. She said, people say to me all the time, I'm so nice, but what else would I be? I'm a follower of Jesus. Of course I'm nice. Exactly. And just the way she says it, the way that she comes in uh, with truth, but with such love, she is uh, just a beautiful, beautiful person. She is of effervescent. The Lord. Yes, and there that's are the not word. a lot of people like that. And it's I remember true. we went to see Kirk Franklin you and me and a couple of other people at the Fox Theater. Yep. I want to say it was at I'll least 15 it. years ago, probably yeah. more like maybe 20. Yeah, probably. And we were there just to see Kirk Franklin, but Cece was opening for him. Yeah. And it was in that zone where she had that song, Alabaster Box. Yep. And she came on stage and started leading worship, and the, the place just lit on fire. Yes, and we were did. all, I remember exactly where we were sitting in the balcony and we were just like, this is the most radiant, 
person I've ever seen do anything in my life. And you and I both fell in love with her in that moment and just have so much respect for the gift that's on her life, the way she yeah. stewarded it. And then to come in and speak such an incredible word, just saying, I remember the line, she said, it's not your truth. It's not my truth. It's the truth. That's it. And then just pointing everyone back to the word. And that's what I need. And that's what we all need right now. Well, we talk a lot about longevity here on the Grove Podcast, about how to build a life that lasts a long time and that brings much honor to Jesus in the long run. And I thought she spoke so directly into that. It's like if I was 20 years old, which I'm no longer 20 years old, but if I was 20 years old and I heard someone like her say the words that she said, I would be so encouraged and I would attach my life to that truth so that when I am 56, like she is, and I am as well, which is interesting, um, that I would have a kind of life that felt like it made a significant impact, um, not just here on earth, but for eternity. And that's the kind of life that Cece has built. And there's no telling how many millions of people she's impacted with her life here. But she's really concerned about the moment that she sees Jesus face to face, and she lets that inform how she lives. And man, if you can back up to today based on where we're headed, then man, you've got something pretty great going on. So we love you, Cece Winans. Priscilla Cece, Love. You're the best. Priscilla Love. She's the best. So today, I wanted to talk to you about um, your new book, which happens to be um, a very impactful moment for our life. And I would love to talk about the book. And we don't spend a lot of energy on the Grove podcast talking about books in general. We talk about things and people um, and ideas and scripture. But this book in particular, I feel like, has one of the greatest opportunities for impact, especially in this season of where we are right currently on earth. And uh, the book title is Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And that title, interestingly, came from a text. And that text probably did more to change and impact our life than maybe any other nine words have ever done. And I was standing there when you got the text. I know what our life was like when you needed the moment. Talk about that for a second, just what in the world was going on in our life that someone would even send you that text to start with. Well, just to clarify, because there's always uh, somebody out there, um, the enemy we're talking about is the enemy, capital E, enemy. So right. I'm always getting these little pings from people saying, wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to love our enemies. And you're saying, don't give them a seat at our table. We're talking about the adversary, the ultimate adversary that all of us are up against every single day. And his goal is to make us insane, to make us go crazy, to make us doubt God, doubt ourselves, and ultimately to put us into a spiral of self that's just going to lead us into a crater of nothing. Yeah, John 10.10 comes to mind. Absolutely. And I think that's just A, that before we even get into talking about the message of the book, we've got to realize that we have an adversary, and when we're going through trials and hardship, it's not that we're needing to look around every corner and say, oh, that's the enemy doing that. But we do need to understand that we don't struggle against flesh and blood, yeah. but against principalities and powers. And yeah. you and I were going through a really hard season. We've been through three or four hard seasons. Like three or real, four? Real hard ones. That's really— I mean, we've been through a lot of valleys, but we've been through a few places where we were really contemplating, do we want to do this anymore? Yeah. And we were in a season like that. And many, many years ago, and as you would, I was being petty. And I hate to say that, but, you know, I'm not above being petty. I don't yeah, want to no, be petty, and human. I want God to deliver me from being petty. Yeah. But in this moment, 
uh, something that had been said about us had proved to not be true. And it had taken a few months for that to happen. But, you know, sometimes you just sit quiet, let things chill, and eventually the truth comes out. And the truth had come out. And I was just so excited that, well, now people know the real story. And so there was one person walking with us in that season, really, you know, the kind of person you say had my back. Yeah. And I texted him and said, you're not going to believe what happened today. And it was just a little bit of being petty, to be honest. Yeah. And it was, it was pity Justification and petty. Justification in your mind. And, and hey, look, it, it, it's proved to be uh, in my favor, yeah. in our favor. And if you just give things time. And what I wanted the person to do is just write back and go, man, I've been with you the whole time. I knew you were good. I knew God was going to work this out. I just wanted a little commiseration. You know, that's what we need. Yeah. So I sent this long text to a friend. It took me literally 30 minutes to make the, make the text because I um, don't text very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's to, the older crowd. It's a little bit more challenging. It's the demographic. Yeah. And finally, I hit send. And it's one of those texts. I mentioned this in the book where when you hit send, you wait. You don't hit send and go about whatever you were doing and hope they text you back. You stare at your phone until you get the text back. The mm -hmm. text came back, and I was so disappointed because it was a phrase, and I thought, surely the person hit send too fast, and they're going to now say, oops, sorry, hit send too fast. Here's the rest of what Follow I was going to text. Follow up the rest of it. But it was a text, and it said, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And I didn't even have to stop and process what it meant. I never heard that phrase before, never thought about that phrase before, but I didn't even need to go, what is he trying to say? I just went, oh, wow. All of this consternation and this frustration and these internal conversations I've had, it's all been because the enemy is at my table and he is the one who is feeding me all of these lies and twisting this situation to put me in the dilemma that I'm in, and to put all this mental strain and stress on my life. And I just knew right then and there, wow, I have got authority in Jesus to decide who's at my table. And that moment, it changed to everything. It shifted that situation, and it's come back to you and me many, 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 many nights when we've you know got that temptation to lay awake, stare at the ceiling, try to work things out have all these conversations with people in your mind, and just to go, oh, wait a minute, I'm not going to give you a seat at my table. I'm going to just trust God and go to sleep. Yeah. I think um, I have a lot of things that I want to follow up on. I mean, I'm, I referenced John 10, 10 earlier, but that, that verse says the thief comes for three reasons, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Pretty clear. Those are the three reasons the enemy is in our life, and there's nothing else that he's really wanting to do besides those three things. And those three things are devastating to us. And obviously, if you're going to steal from us, if you're going to kill us or destroy us, that's going to be the end of us. And I feel like the, the back part of that verse is the whole truth of what we can actually live on today. And it's Jesus saying, but I have come that you may have life and not just life, but abundant life really full-on, yeah. Jesus-sized life. And those words have meant a lot to us over the years. I think because when you're wanting commiseration and understanding from people, sometimes what you actually need is clarity from God. And that text, to me, was a surprise response to a big, long story of the way 
we were being justified, maybe of something we had or hadn't done. Instead, God said, you know what I want to speak into your life is clarity. And it came through some simple words. And I just love the way God uses people. He could use anything. He uses his word constantly. And obviously, everything anyone says, we want to align with his word and make sure that it's true to his character. But those words were just a simple reminder from a person, hey, guess what? You're letting the enemy win. You, you are letting the enemy win. And I think that moment was just forever life-changing for the two of us. So when you got that text, think about what was letting, what, what part of life, besides just feeling like you needed justification, but what what was the enemy stealing from you at that time? Well, the enemy was stealing a lot of things. He was stealing a brain power yeah. that, you know, God has put us on earth to steward his world and to create beautiful things uh, so that people can come to know Jesus. And whenever we're worrying or playing out all these scenarios in our mind, stressing out over things, afraid, we're, we're using the energy that God mm-hmm. has graced us with to make the world more beautiful, to actually doubt God and make the world more dark and confusing. And so I was wasting a lot of time and energy, and that's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your physical health. It's not good for your relational health. It's not good for your health with God. So that was a, a negative. Yeah. But I think the main part of it is, is that whenever you, and this we talk about this a lot in the book, whenever you you try to control and defend then it puts you in a defensive posture. And so you walk into work or you walk into a conversation with your kids or you walk into a conversation with your business partner or you into whatever community you're in and you're already thinking everyone in here is against me. And that's one of the key lies we talk about in the book. Everybody's out to get me. Everybody's against me. I'm always looking over my back trying to, you know, protect myself. Mm. And so that's where I was. I was in a defensive mode. And when you're in a defensive mode, typically your fists are clenched because you rate a counterpunch if you need to, mm. or you're either uh, constantly justifying, trying to explain and rationalize everything. And God can't use us in a defensive posture. Yeah. God needs our hands open. That's right. He needs there, there to be a release. Um, he wants us to love the people who have spoken things about us that maybe weren't true. And he wants us to release and let go of those things and then say, okay, God, I can't control that. What can I control today? Well, I can control my relationship with you and what you're asking me to do right now. So getting your table back, and you know, we we went from the text to the text, from a text on my phone to the text, which is the breath of God on a page, Psalm 23. And he told us the good shepherd prepares a table before us right. in the presence of our enemies. And it's a long story how that little text turned into a message, which turned yeah, into this book. Yeah, we want to know, like, because I feel like there's a book and a message, and we all experience you in that format of standing on stage, delivering something powerfully from God. But how do the things that we encounter become those messages we carry? Well, I, you know, you that message hit me so hard did connect me to the text, God's Word, and I started believing, okay, wait a minute, God, you've prepared a table before me, but not in your presence. That's the way I would have written that text. You prepare a table before me in your presence, Lord. 
but the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So whatever you're facing today, in the middle of your chemo treatment or in the middle of the the dip in your finances or in the middle of the friendship that kind of went off the rails, whatever the situation is, God wants to meet you in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And we talk in the book about why that's so important at the end. But I knew how it had hit me, and I saw the way it hit us. And a few weeks later, I was speaking to some coaches um, doing a chapel for a sports team. And the Bible study was on a certain book of the Bible, and I was chugging through where they were that week in the book of the Bible, but it just didn't seem like it was connecting. And the season was going down, and there was a lot of distrust, I think, uh, among inside the program, outside the program. Coaching is a very lonely world, like leading And I just said, hey, guys, I just need to tell you God is for you, and don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And when the words came out of my mouth, people looked up from their notes and just, I could see it in their eyes and on their faces. That resonated with them the same way it did with me and with us. So drove back to... uh, to church and on the way for our all team meeting that afternoon I said hey I just need a table I want it set up in the middle of our our team space I want some food on it and I'm going to try to work this out and so in real time I tried to work it out and show people how easy the enemy can get at that table that God has created mm. and in the team's team uh, all team people were like man I needed to hear that so Sunday we fleshed it out into a talk so it went from what an evolution. Amazing. So a text on a phone to yeah. a coach's Bible study to our all-team meeting to our church in a matter of a few weeks. And after that gathering at church, we knew we were onto something. And then Stephen Furtick invited us to revival nights at Elevation Church. And I shared that message, put a table out in the middle of all I'll the people. I'll never forget the moment. And it was so powerful. It yeah. felt like you and I were sitting in the stands watching it happen. Yeah. And the message has now had a life of its own, but it's not because of me or because of the text that the friend sent. It's because people need and want to have the peace of mind of knowing that they can take control of their table in Jesus' name. Yeah. It's interesting how much you mentioned the word control. feels like the struggle that we often find ourselves in is a struggle of control. Who is actually in charge of this? And how much do I need to defend or uh, protect versus how much is God, you know, in charge of that for me? And how much will I relieve myself into his hands? Release. Say, God, I'm I'm trusting you. I feel like um, for people who are um, our personalities, that there can also be a struggle for that control. Speak about that for a second and just how God's freeing you over time from wanting to be in control of circumstances, of details, of conversations, all of those things. I think it's the fine line, and you you and I both have struggled with this, wrestled with this, and I think are you know still on a good process of coming to terms with it. It's, it's being on the tightrope of excellence is what I— I like to call it, because I am called by God to steward what he's given me to steward, and I am going to do my best to do my best. Yes. And that means I'm always going to be shooting for excellence, and I'm also whatever the CDs are, OCD and all the rest of the CDs. (laughs) You have a little bit of that. I got a little bit of all of those in me, and um, it's uh, I have an abundance of of attention 
So mm-hmm. I notice things. You notice things. We walk in or drive into our parking lot. I notice the wrapper from the Burger King hamburger that's crumpled up and blown over by the curb. Yeah. And I need to go pick it up yeah. before I can come to work. Yeah. So excellence is a good thing. But when excellence tips over into self, when excellence is led by the Spirit, you create beautiful things. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. But when excellence tips over into self, then you now see the fruit of control. Yeah. And control really isn't about wanting things to be the best. It's about wanting to be in control of everything, <laughs> wanting to decide everything, wanting to make sure every outcome comes out the way you want it to come. And that's a great strategy until you wake up and realize one day that you're not in charge of hardly anything. Yeah. And it and, really is one of the best days of your life when you realize that you, you're not controlling what you think you are. No, I'm in control of the decisions I make, yeah. and I'm in control of the reactions I have to the things that happen around me, and I'm not in control of anything else. That's so good Not economies, not my family's health, not uh, whether my kids are going to turn out right or not, yeah. not whether the school's going to reopen, uh, not whether the pandemic's going to end. I'm not in charge of any of that. I'm not. God is in charge, and I am not in charge. And we fight up against that. Every human being fights up against that, and we all want to take the wheel at some point of our career, of our job, of our relationship. And I think for for me, it's always asking the question, am I fighting through the spirit for excellence, or is this really about Louis and about Louis wanting to be in control? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, and I've talked about this openly, that when I kind of cracked up in 2008, emotionally and mentally, I believe it was a tag team of uh, wanting people's approval and wanting to be in control. And we planted a local church that year. And just for free, uh, if you want people's (laughs) approval— and you want to be in control, I don't recommend planting a local church because you're not going to get people's approval. And you're you're going to realize, I'm not in charge of this. God is in charge of this. And the Holy Spirit is building this. And that knocked me over, knocked me out. Um, But I think we're you know, we're all, we're both learners. We're both at a later stage of life. And we'll be in that evolution of learning uh, forever. In the process of learning. Yes. I think every day for me, a win for me every day is to release control more and more and to keep fighting for excellence, but to to release control because we've got so many talented people around us. They really don't need us even telling them how to make things excellent. People That's here right. make things excellent yeah, they're because so they're amazing. That's right. Talk about just as you're releasing things to God, sort of some of the words that you use because I— I watch you live a very full life. Um, yesterday, you were in another state. You preached five times. This morning, you're back here talking to me, and you'll do 10 other things today before we have dinner together tonight, which you're buying, by the way. So just <laughs> prepare yourself. Um, but I watch you keep an intense schedule always. I mean, you're o- older than me, so I want to point that out as well. So you're definitely ahead and blazing the trail. But you you fight you fight a good fight from the standpoint of time. You don't just let time take you over, but you invest your time very, very well. 
But I've never known you, and I know there are seasons of your life just like there are for anybody where they're spiritually dry and you don't really feel like you're as connected to God as you want to be. But I've watched you fight for your time with God all throughout what I would consider to be, and I'm a pretty active person, a very busy life, a good investment of your life. How do you contend? What are you saying to God when you're talking in those moments with Him about trusting Him that is releasing? Because a lot of women are listening today, and guys are probably listening too, thinking, you know, I want to trust God more, but I don't know how to get there. I don't really know how to spend time with Him. I don't know how to build a relationship with Him. I don't know how to talk to Him and release stuff to Him. How do I activate my trust of God more than my control of all my environments? Yeah, that's such a good question. Actually, one of the students at the college I was speaking at yesterday asked me the exact same question and made me really think about it for a minute or two. I said, wow, that is a good question. Um, what's your name again? Um, <laughs> Buying yourself and where, some time. where are you from? I and love it. <laughs> then I finally told him, I said, hey, whenever you see the person in the Q&A asking a lot of follow-up questions, that means they're trying to formulate their answer. That's good. Well, I'm glad you had yesterday so, so that you're prepared today. I do want to say, and I, I think it's helpful for people to know because um, a lot of people follow you on Instagram. Obviously, you are maybe the best follow on Instagram. Well, that's very kind. And they see our life and they see, oh, you were at a rocket launch and before that you were at some event in Sea Island and before that you did this and then you did this and man, I don't know, these, it looks like these guys are just all gas and no brakes. And we have developed a skill over time of finding gaps everywhere. Yep. And for me personally, I know this sounds terrible and that's why I don't have a leadership podcast, but I sleep in. <laughs> You know, I'm <laughs> yeah, not at breakfast do. with guys at seven o'clock every yeah. day um, because I need a certain amount of sleep to maintain the rhythm that I maintain. And so, you know, rolling out for me at, you know, 8.30 or 9 is more likely than 6.30 or 7. And I know a lot of people can't do that, but at my stage of life, I can. I haven't been able to do that my whole life. But I just want people to know that we're not going 100 miles an hour seven days a week. But we do go hard because you just get one life, yeah. and it lasts five seconds, and then you're in the presence of Jesus, hmm. and you have eternity to decide whether you're happy with the way you spent your five seconds or not. Come on. And my title of my talk yesterday that I opened with, with these young 19, 20-year-olds, was um, eight minutes or nine minutes to Miko, main engine cutoff, because right. you and I were just at the launch, and when your friend's on top of a rocket— you hold your breath for yeah, you do. the eight minutes, nine minutes it takes a rocket to get into orbit. Yeah. And once the you hear the call Miko, that means main engine cutoff. And the journey has ended. And we're all headed to main engine cutoff. And in that moment, we have an eternity to look back on our time on Earth, which will be very brief when we're looking back from the perspective of eternity and decide. I feel good about the way I invested my five seconds that I got to live on planet Earth. Mm. And so you and I are pretty committed to making sure we feel good about that investment. But to answer your question, I think for me, there was a, a, a struggle early on of trying to balance my, my work ministry and my personal time with God. So how do I make sure I'm spending enough personal time with right. God that it's not all about preparing messages and trying to strategize right, and, and do talks, Bible studies and all books. that? Yeah. 
And it was making me crazy because while I was spending time with God and reading the Bible, I would get a sermon idea, and then I would feel terribly guilty because I have a great sermon idea right now that I think is from the Lord, but I can't have that right now because we're having our personal time right now. Yeah, that's very confusing. And so finally, God just said, hey, let's tear down the wall between your public ministry, spiritual life, and your private, I love you, Lord, spiritual life, Mm -hmm. and let's just make it all about walking with God. Mm. And that's the way for me I've been able to maintain a a vibrant relationship with Jesus is that I don't segment it to these 20 minutes are just me and him. Now, the rest of the day is me doing ministry for him. I invite him into every moment of the day and to everyone listening that wants to have that vibrancy my recommendation would be to talk less about what you want God to do and to listen more carefully to what God wants you to do. And once you develop that, you don't need to spend as much time praying over things because our prayer times when they get long are us telling God over and over all the things we need Him to work out for us versus saying, you already know all the things I need you to work out for me. You say before a word is on my tongue, you know it. So that doesn't mean we don't ask because I don't want to be in the line of people who have not because they ask not. It just means that when you're with God, you're not with Him to get Him to bless your plan. You're there to try to catch the wind of his plan. And as you do that, it makes spending time with him, I feel, a lot less stressful. Like, am I connecting to God right now? Instead of just saying, let's walk together. Let's go together. We've got 20 minutes in the car. I'm available. If you want to say something to me, I'm listening. If you want to impress something on me, I'm listening. I have your word open. My mind is open. My hands are open. That's what spending time with God is like, and we have the capacity to do that, and God likes all the things that I do. He likes it when we ride bikes. He likes it when we ride in the car. He likes it when I work in my office. He likes it when uh, we're at dinner, and so it's not like, hey, thanks for spending the 15-minute devotion. I'll see you back here tomorrow, same place, same time. He's like, come on, can I come with you today? Yes. And if I can walk with you and you can walk with me, that's the way they describe the people that we admire in the Bible. He walked with God. She walked with God. And so I think that's the secret. That's so beautiful. And I've, I feel like that is your secret, too, because I feel like as as life continues to develop and opportunities continue to unfold for you, that there's never a question in my mind. There is a question about the limitation of time, what you should and shouldn't be investing in. But there's never a concern for me in any form with you, and I live right beside you, that you're not going to have what you need for the moment that God's called you to. And I think it's because you're in constant communication and relationship with Him. And I feel like sometimes on earth as your wife, certainly in whatever ministry stuff we're involved in, that I almost have to interrupt that with you <laughs> a little bit to say, hey, and we need to get some dinner. And hey, did you think about, you know, picking up your clothes off the floor? Um, just as a reminder that there, we are still here on earth. And um, gosh, while our heart and mentality is so immersed in God, that we also do have a stewardship while we're here. And sometimes we have to remind each other that that's sort of where we live and that there's important things that we need to manage here as well. And I just think it's a beautiful thing for people to get to see that side of your life 
And just to know a little bit that that's really who you are and that's the way you carry your life, um, not just because you're on a big stage somewhere talking to a lot of people, but when you're in the private spaces um, with just the few people who are closest to you, who love you most, um, you're the same, same exact way. So thank you today. I think it would be awesome if we ended and you just prayed for people before we go. Absolutely. Thanks. I love being on this podcast and um, I just, you know, the Grove team is amazing. Your team is phenomenal. And I want to shout out um, just what you guys have done is phenomenal. And I want to honor you. And thank you. Um, I know that you didn't sign up for leading a women's ministry. I did not. And I think it's probably one of the things you told me when we got into doing Passion City that you were not going to do. Probably so. That but sounds like me. God um, has gifted you so much with um, the fortitude of a life of faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And when you speak, it's not. Um, hollow. It carries a lot of weight. And that's why, and you're funny. And um, that's why people are so attracted to you. I always say in our relationship, I think people look to me to as a spiritual leader and they look to you as a, as a spiritual leader that they actually want to hang around with and go to dinner with. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, that. Um, and I want to be that kind of person for sure. So I just want to honor you today and you. the faithfulness of all the years that you have led this team so well and and how you've made it about a team. And it's just really incredible. So thanks for letting me be a part of it today. And to all of you guys listening today, I really hope you will get the book. And Same. it's not because Shelly and I are here trying to promote something, but this message came through the grinder you know, of our lives, and we're not perfectly living this message. I need to continue to read this book. Yeah. But it talks about how we have victory in Christ and how you can experience that victory in your mind right now. And there's a lot of conversation about mental health around the world right now, yeah. and God cares about mental health. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes, and this book isn't, you know, a one-size-fits-all Band-Aid for everybody. But it's real, and it's gritty, and it's full of truth, and it's practical, and I hope that you'll pick up a copy of it and, and I share pray. it with somebody because somebody in your life needs it desperately. Yeah, and there's a great uh, study guide with it that you and some of your lady friends can do. Uh, it's uh, videos that are short teachings and then a study guide where you can talk about what God's saying and process that together, maybe even a group of couples doing it together. So we're doing our best just to make the resources available. So let's pray together and if you were listening to this podcast today at any point and thought, I just need peace of mind, yes, I want to pray for you because I know that struggle and I've lived that struggle. And honestly, this morning, after the whole thing of yesterday and a big uh, journey for today, I laid in bed this morning and I just said, God, would you just let peace settle over mm -hmm. us right now? And so I know that journey, and I want to pray for you right now because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yes, he is. Father, thank you for a few moments today with these friends around the world. I love the miracle of church and how while people are in their cars and on treadmills and in their homes on every continent right now, Mm -hmm. in so many different time zones and on so many different different days and different months and even in different years right now, people are gathered. Yeah. That you see every person, 
you know every name and every story. And I thank you that you still calm storms. Yep. Thank you, Jesus. So would you give us the grace today, each of us, the grace to just look to you and to ask you, will you speak to the wind and the waves? Because the wind and the waves, they obey you. Mm-hmm. And I pray, as Shelley does so often, that you would give people the grace today to open their hands, not irresponsibly to let go of the wheel. We want to steward what you told us to put our hands on. But all the things that we're trying to steward and control and protect from that we can't control, I pray that you would give us faith today to know that if we take our hands off the situation, you keep your hands on the situation. Yes, Lord. And we find peace in that. Peace in knowing that the God of all creation He's got his hand on our situation. And so we thank you for that. I pray that peace would banish fear and your perfect love today would cast out fear wherever these words are heard and that you would birth trust and faith Yes, in Jesus' in name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Louie. The Grove loves you. Thank you for being the best pastor in the whole world. Love you, babe. Man, we love them. We love our pastors and are so thankful for the time that Pastor Louie and Shelly gave us today and the vulnerable, honest look into their lives they were willing to share. We praise God for the ministry that He is doing through the message of Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And just like Pastor Louis said, it's available now anywhere you can find books. That includes Amazon. It includes passionresources.com. And there are multiple levels of the ways you can access the message. So we pray you're moved to get a copy for yourself, for your friends, to do the group study, whatever you can do to grab hold of that victory in Jesus that we have access to right now, today. You are loved. You're welcome here, and we can't wait to see you next time on The Grove Podcast.